Today, uh, we're continuing on in our family series, and today we're talking about building a family legacy. And uh, one of the neat things about the word of legacy, it, it, it has two connotations. One is, is that uh, one definition means when you leave a legacy, that you leave something financial to those who come after you. And we talked about that in the, in the finance message. The other thing about legacy, the word legacy uh, brings the connotation of a blessing. And a blessing comes in many ways and shapes and forms. And when we are thinking of the idea of family legacy, family blessings, the things that have been passed on from one generation to another, we think of uh, the, the interesting things that we are building now and what will they look like 50 years from now or five years from now? I think it uh, was such a great visual this morning that uh, a year ago, Neva Holly went to be with the Lord. And in honor of Neva, her family is in the back row today. Just wave at us. Let's welcome all those great folks that are here today. And I was telling her daughter this morning, this is just uncanny that you're here today because we're talking about leaving and imparting a legacy. And these guys are here today uh, because their mother imparted a, a biblical uh, a blessing to them, a biblical heritage to them. And her daughter said, oh, yeah, but we go to other churches. And I said, that's the beauty of the legacy, that the legacy lives on wherever you are, wherever you go. But there was something about wanting to come back here today because of the legacy of Neva's life in her worship here at Redeemer's Church. And so what an amazing visual that this turned out to be. God bless you guys. We love you. And thank you so much for coming and being a part of the service today. Amen? Amen. So when we think of the idea of, of legacy, legacy implies something that you're doing today that's going to make an impact on tomorrow. And it's not just something you do today for no reason. It's something that you do in the line of your family. And over the last several weeks that we have uh, tried to capsulate all of these things that we've preached are the things that you're going to use to build your legacy. We talked about in one of the first messages, marriage and the impartation that your marriage has uh, uh, to your family and the legacy that it builds. We talked about parenting and the idea of what you're grooming your children to do is to carry on what you have done. And, uh, and then we talked about finances for two weeks, that we talked about God's idea of finances and the idea of an inheritance and something that we're going to pass on to the next generation. And all of these building blocks are so that the next generation can stand on where you were and even go to a higher dimension through their great understanding of what God has done in your life and what he'll do in theirs as well. So today uh, we're going to team teach uh, a little bit. And so my wife has an amazing impartation that she's going to make on legacy right now. So Tammy, come. Good morning. I am truly, truly humbled to be up here because there are grandparents out there that have more experience than I do. 
And I just want to say, I hope you can take what I have to share, because Dwight and I did not practice at all on this message, because we had been hosting HPIM Apostolic Council all week here at the church. And so we just hope it flows together by the Holy Spirit. Um, but Dwight and I have nine grandchildren. It is a challenge at times, but it is a blessing at times. Um, but I know that for me to have leave a godly legacy for my children, I had to be a grandparent that purposed, that, that grandparented with a purpose. And I had to be very intentional about some of the things that we had to do. Um, the purpose of that was to pass down what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for Dwight, how we turned our lives around. We want to pass that on to our children, but now I get to pass it on to my grandchildren. And it's a truly a blessing, but it takes some creativity on my part. But I think before we go on, I want to clarify, what does the Bible say about old age? We're all going to get old. We can't stop it. Do you know the day after you're born, you're already getting old? Amen. We are getting old. Society wants to tell us, stop. Let's Botox here. Let's facelift here. The reality is everything goes south. This jowl, it used to be so tight and nice. It hangs down some mornings. And it's like, wow, old age is, we have to embrace it. It happens. We can't stop it. But we can reject the lies that the culture tells us and embrace the truth about what God tells us. So um, in Proverbs um, 20, 29, and this is the King James Version, it says, the glory of the young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men and women is their gray hair. Proverbs 16.31 in the New Living's translation says, Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. It's not because there's stress in our life. That's a lie the world tells you. The Bible tells us it's a crown of glory. It's wisdom that we gain. That's why we get gray hair. Gray hair is not despised in the word of God. Nowhere in, in my searching could I find that gray hair was despised. Do you know wrinkles are a crown of glory and Amen. honor? Amen. We need to embrace it. We're all growing old. We cannot stop it. But can I be honest with you? I'm dealing with some vanity. I wish I could be like Sue Nichols. When Sue went to be a natural woman, she let her hair go great, and it's beautiful. And by the way, I did ask Sue if I could use her in this message. I did have her permission. Yes, but it was, well, I haven't arrived there yet. I still color my hair. You all know, I do. It's okay. I'm not there. See, I have so much to gain, so much to gain. But the Bible does tell us some negative things about old age. And Ecclesiastes 12, you'll need to go and read it. It talks about um, losing our eyesight, our bodies shake. 
We can be bent over. We have fewer teeth. And you can lose your hearing. But let me tell you what the good news is. Moses lived till he was 120 years old. And it says he died and he, or it says when he was 20, 120 he died. But until then, he had his eyesight and it was clear. And he was stronger than ever. So there are truths about growing old, but there's hope for us to stand upon that. And it says that our bodies are weakening, but God has promised in Isaiah 46, 4, I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Your lifetime. Until your hair was white with age. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and I will save you. This is the truth, not what the world tells us. This is what God tells us. He's not leaving us from the moment we are born till the moment he calls us home. He is with us. It is a gift from God. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, I'm a gift from God. Because old age is a gift from God. Even though there are days when I watch my nine grandchildren... I feel old, but I need to continually put my hope in him because he's my strength. Yes. He, the Bible tells us he is our strength. But it, God also tells us in his word that we still bear fruit. God says you will bear fruit in your old age. And in Psalms, 29, uh, Psalms 92, verses 12 and 14, but the godly will flourish like a palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Even in old age, they still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Amen. You will still produce fruit. Can you put the picture up for me, please? <clears throat> you still produced fruit. This is a date palm tree, and I looked it up. A date palm tree can live up to 150 years. It can produce hundreds of pounds of fruit a year. That gives me hope. I think this is a picture of what God wants us to do in the kingdom of God. This is for our grandchildren. This is for our children. If you're not a grandparent, you can still be a grandparent to somebody who doesn't have anybody. That's still so important and so vital in today's generation, in today's society. But that's fruit. You get the glory and honor to still produce fruit in our old age. God wants us to continue in our lifetime and still have a purpose declaring to our children about who God is in our lives. And Pastor Caleb had once said, grandparenting and parenting virtually is the same thing. It's just the next generation. And it's very, very, very true. But let's celebrate our old age. Let's get rid of the thought of what society says, but let's believe what God's word says about growing old. Amen? Amen. 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. But two be a grandparent, we have to be intentional at, at, at doing that. 
One of the things for me is intentional means what's your purpose? So I had gone before God two years ago, and I was saying, Lord, I don't know what to do with these grandchildren. I want to, I want to pour into them. I want to give them a legacy of who Jesus is, because without Jesus, I would probably not be here. And I needed Jesus, and I want to give to them everything that he has done for me. I began to pray two years ago, and God spoke to me and said, character camp. I said, character camp? God spoke to me and told me he wanted me to take, at this time, the potty-trained kids. <laughs> that might have been Tammy. I don't know that that was God. <laughs> Away for a weekend where we could spend time building character in our grandkids. And, and I thought, really? How's this really going to work? I'm not a creative person, but I do know this. If I ask God, he speaks to me, and I listen, He's going to teach me to be creative. And so we went, and we planned this whole trip. We had a wonderful time. We talked about the characters of God. We talked about kindness. It wasn't formal. It was at night when we were tired. We crawled up by the fireplace in the cabin, and we talked. We talked about restoring kindness one to another. We talked about how do we hear obedience from God. Well, we really played it in. I think the, grand, or the parents were happy. We talked about honoring your father and mother, being obedient to God. And we went through that whole aspect. But that was an aspect that I could pour into them. I was able to share with them the things that God did in their parents' lives. I was able to reinforce the things that they were doing. We shared our testimonies things that God did. We shared the mistakes that we made to our grandchildren. And we got to explain to them why we wish we wouldn't have done it. But yet God turned them around for good in our lives. We want you to make good godly decisions. There's a legacy that I had learned growing up in my home. My mom and dad took us to church every Sunday. It was not optional. It's just what you did. My parents taught me to tithe when I had my first job at 15 and a half. They taught me to tithe. I remember growing up, my mom getting down at night before bed. We would get on our knees, and we would say our, our nightly prayers. These were things that were passed on to me. There was my grandmother growing up when I was a little girl. My grandmother watched Oral Roberts on TV back when he had his show. And I would go and spend two, two weeks during the summer with my grandmother. And I would remember he, watching my grandmother. I remember watching it with her. I remember my grandmother praying and doing her devotional. You know, we don't know what seeds we are planting. Amen. Two of her great-grandchildren attended Oral Roberts University. Now... A whole nother generation they attended because I believe it's the seeds that my grandmother planted in me and my sisters. And we don't know how far stretched those are, but no, those seeds are going to bear fruit down the road. 
I think that the, my, I remember parents, it was, it was non-optional. My parents wanted to thank the Lord every day at mealtime. We ate dinner together. That was something my parents passed down to me. It was the only time of the day we were together as a family. I wanted to pass that on to my grandchildren. And to this day, my children and my grandchildren still look forward to spending the time of fellowshipping together because we're there for one another. I think of Millie. Millie to this day does a Bible, weekly Bible study with her immediate family. What a precious thing. A Bible study. And it's not her only, only Bible study. She has one she does on Tuesday. But it was put forth to her that I want to. She wanted to pour into her children, her grandchildren, the things of God. So she would do a weekly Bible study. That is so, I think that's amazing because I couldn't sit with my grandkids. They'd be climbing on everything, every piece of furniture. But you know what? There's a season and a time. There's a season and a time. And it's her season to pour back in on a weekly. She's been doing this for years. What a beautiful testimony of pouring a legacy, a spiritual legacy into our children. In Psalms 145, 4, it says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty works. That's what we're to do. Tell means you need to talk. Tell means you need to spend time together to do it. And Deuteronomy 4, verse 9 be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live for. And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. Amen. That is a wonderful charge for us as parents, as grandparents. We pass these things on. How will they know? We're to, we tell stories all the time about Moses. It's because we're passing on the truth from Moses. There are things in our lives that God wants to use to reproduce in our grandchildren. And, and it, the, the best example in the Bible is in the book of Timothy, where Paul was telling him Lois was the grandmother to Timothy and Eunice was his mother. I believe that those women's names were mentioned because they both played a spiritual impact into Amen. Timothy's life. Amen. And I think we need to realize we really do play a spiritual impact into our kids' life, our grandkids' life. Because in 2 Timothy 1.5 it says, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Right there it says it's because they walked out their, their faith in God. They walked out who God was in them. She poured it into Timothy. And look what Timothy did. They probably didn't know the seeds that they were planting in Timothy for Timothy to be who Timothy was in the Bible. We don't know what seeds and fruit will come about but we just plant those seeds. They poured their lives into her, or into Timothy. See, I want my grandkids to see me loving people and not things. Amen. My grandchildren, or my daughters, grew up with um, their grandpa Bennett. 
he was a very poor man. He didn't have two nickels to rub together. But do you know what they could tell you their grandpa did? He would give you the shirt off his back. He didn't have anything. There was no inheritance left monetarily. But what he did give is the value that my kids love to give what they have. All three of my daughters give. All three of my, or all nine of my grandkids, we're trying to pour into them that they have the same attitude, that they are giving what they may not have. That's a legacy in the kingdom of God. I only scratched the surface today with the little bit of time that Dwight gave me (laughs) 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 to just share with you. I just scratched the surface, but I want to clearly state the greatness of God that we have to keep the same attitude as the psalmist had in Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. You are mighty miracles to all who come after me. That is what we're to do. We are to declare these to this generation. But my challenge is, if you should accept, that we as grandparents need to pass on a godly heritage to our grandchildren, teaching them the commands of the Bible, telling them of the great things that God did in your life. Not somebody else's. They don't know that somebody else. They want to know what God did in your life. We need to pass those on. We need to show them that we treasure the word of God. We need to show them, just not tell them. Because kids are really smart, I have found out, and they're watching everything you do. So we can leave a godly legacy to our grandchildren. Amen. It's interesting when you watch your life play out in other people, especially in your grandchildren's life. Uh, Tammy and I were uh, going to one of the kids' football games, and Naya was walking in with us, and she said to her mom, she said, Mom, don't Grandma and Grandpa have anything else to do other than come to all of our football games? And Megan said, no, Naya, this is what they do. This is what Grandma and Grandpa do. They come to support you. Now, she wasn't saying that to be rude or to be, she was just wondering this idea, is Grandma and Grandpa, are they real? Is this for real that they come to all of our games? You know, you get to see the seeds that you implant into your grandchildren. And one of the most recent examples is, is our grandson, Lucas, man, he is a, a guy that collects money. I mean, he is always, as a matter of fact, he says, he, says he, he just told me yesterday, he said, Papa, I work for you at, at the house. But he goes, do you think there might be a job at the church for me as well that I could start working for you at the church as well? And so, Lukey's a pretty good football player. 
And so one of his last games, um, uh, Lugie plays guard and defensive end. And and this, and this one particular game, he pancaked two guys. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with football, the, he plays offensive line. And he knocked one guy 21 yards down the field and then knocked him straight to the ground over top of him. That's called a pancake. And so Papal wanted to reward this aggression. <laughs> And so Papaw gave him five bucks for the two pancakes. You know, that's just kind of a thing with Luke and I. And so the next week we were at Micah's JV game, and it was cold. And his uh, cousin Gideon was there watching the game as well. And so Lukey goes, uh, hey, Papaw, I got the five bucks from the pancakes. And he goes, I'm going to go get hot chocolate. And so he didn't just get hot chocolate for himself. He bought hot chocolate for Naya and Gideon as well. And there was something proud in him that he took that money that he earned and he shared it with his sister and his cousin. That just doesn't happen by osmosis. That happens through examples. One of the things I told Tammy this week as she was preparing this awesome manna that she was preparing for us today is I said, sweetheart, you need to journal all of the amazing insights that you have given our grandchildren so that they can take your journal and give it to their grandchildren. There'll be a day when we're not alive. I said, but the things that you share, because my wife takes grandparenting to a whole nother level. It's, it's a passion of hers, uh, and sometimes I have to calm her down and say, hey, baby, now this character camp's going to be awesome, but let's not forget we're going to have fun, too, at the pool and all of these other, and we did. We had a great weekend, but there's a passion in all of you that how do you pass that on? Well, you write it down, and you make that as a tangible impartation because that's a part of our legacy. My dad being generous and then watching my grandson be generous as well. That's a legacy. That's what we're leaving. That's what we want to see. And for that idea of what we watched in, in Lukey that day was just, a, just a, a, a microcosm of what we want our legacy to be. We want our legacy to be what we have sown into our kids what they have sown into their kids. How many of you realize that in parenting you can get tired? You know, Abby and Matt had three uh, in the first three years, uh, 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 you know, or they had three kids in three years in a row. And I remember uh, Ab's, uh, well, I haven't asked her if I can share this. It's just a lot of work, so I won't share that story. <laughs> See, I learn, I pay attention. <laughs> And, but the idea is, is how can we help out our kids in that time where they're trying to, you know, keep their rubles and have their strength to do the things. And this is what we impart and it becomes a blessing. This is what God has done. In Genesis 1, uh, when we look at the idea of creation in verse uh, 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. How many of you realize that God is generous? Amen. Would you realize that? Now, see, we have to look at things differently. See, like Tammy is saying, old age is a blessing. And if we are God's children, we're going to grow old. And in our old age, he has us in his hands. And one day, we're going to pass from this life to another life in his hands. And so the impartation we make now is, is, is important. Let us make uh, human beings in our image to what? Be like us. 
How many of you know that for thousands of years now that God has been watching over families? And he created this idea in Genesis chapter 12, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. But God is a God through the ages. That God is a God that just does not start something, bless one group, and then forget about the other groups. No, that's not God. And see, that's what we learn and create our legacy to be because of our relationship with God. God imparts something in us that we have a desire then to pass on to the other generations. Why? Because we are made in His image. And His image is good. He has the image of blessing. He has the image of faithfulness. He has the image of upholding things with his strong right hand. He owns all of the cattle on a thousand fields. He is our God who supplies all of our needs. And he has done this for year after year after year after year since the beginning of time. That's why he said, let us make humans in our image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to be like who? Him. He wants us to be like him, the generous God who walks with his children, imparts wisdom to us all the time, is the God that wants us to be the imparters of wisdom to all of those that we get to impact in our lives. What will your legacy be? What will your legacy be? Legacies take time. Legacies take energy. Legacies take money. Legacies take resources. Legacies and when you build something, they build something that not only is something to look at, but they build so, that you build through a legacy something that lasts and is imparted into other things. Let us make man in our image. I could go on on this one scripture for the rest of the service, but capture the idea. We are made in his image. We are made in his likeness. And his likeness has always been a blessing that he's wanted to pass on. How do we know that? Because he says they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, livestock, all the wild animals, and all the small animals that scurry upon the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Then what did God do first? He blessed them. That's what a father does. A father imparts a blessing unto his children. A father provides in the way that his children can see the fruitfulness of his work and that then they can be fruitful as well. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish, the birds, the sky. And then look at verse 29. And then God said, look. I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all of the fruit of the trees for your food. This is the last point I'll make on this. Legacy is about imparting a seed. And when you impart a seed, a seed can be planted and out of that tree, uh, uh, something can be uh, uh, done that is even better than the first tree. Tammy talked about you know the tree that bore fruit for 150 years and hundreds of pieces of fruit well that's that that tree began with one seed and that tree bore fruit through four generations of life 
You see, when a seed is imparted into something, it's supposed to grow something that's going to last for a long time. And we also know that every piece of fruit that comes out from that tree has what as well? Seeds. Why? Because God builds a legacy through the things that he has created so that that legacy God built can provide and care for that which was his creation. And we need to mirror God's image. And what we are doing through building a legacy is we are building something that's going to last through a lifetime. We're going to build something, Tammy and I, purpose to build something that uh, uh, our children's children's children will be able to move off of the seeds that we have planted in our lifetime. See, legacy is something that you must think about. Because if you don't think about what your future, your children's future, and their children's future has in store, then you will take your time just consuming all of the seeds and eating the fruit that God has blessed you with. Legacy is something that takes time to build. And you cannot just devour your fruit. You've got to pull the seeds out of your fruit and then it, and work to impart that into fertile soil. Is anybody with me today? Is anybody in the house today? Hallelujah. See, marriage, parenting, finances, what are they all about? They're about establishing something that somebody else can build off of. It's interesting when Tammy talks about legacy and so forth. We just celebrated her mom and dad's 65th wedding anniversary. My parents were, were married for 60 some odd, 50 some odd years. Over 115 years of marriage impartation into our lives. In a couple weeks, we will have our 39th anniversary. I know we seem way too young to be having 39 years uh, of anniversaries, but what makes us even older than that is how many years have Brian and Megan been married now? 18, 17, a bunch. Okay, when you have a kid that's been married, I don't care if it's 17 or 18 years, it means that you're growing up. And it's interesting to see all of these seeds. Now, we can begin to view the fruits of our labor. You know, the fruits of our labor in our children's life began when Tammy heard a, a, a focus on the family message uh, in the 90s from Dr. James Dobson that said, this is the time that you need to begin to pray for your children's spouses. And when I first heard that, I thought, this is too spiritual gobbledygook, and it's just way too much. And then when I thought about it, I thought, why would I not begin to pray for my daughter's husbands that God would begin to protect them through their process of walking through their youth, their teen years, and into their adulthood? Because we want our children to, to marry young men who uh, God's hand of protection has been on. And so, see, planting a seed or a legacy takes time. It takes effort. It takes wisdom. And God provides that wisdom that we need to ensure that the seeds that have been planted can, can grow into the fruition of what God would have in store for them. He created human beings in their image. He said, be fruitful in what? Multiply. The idea of the kingdom has always been about multiplication. 
One relationship bears three daughters, and then out of those three, three daughters come nine grandchildren. Our house has multiplied, which means our responsibility of our legacy has grown. It's interesting when people think of this idea, oh, I'm going to retire and then I'm, I'm going to have nothing to do. Or uh, I've raised my kids, they're out of the house and whoo, we, 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 we you know, don't have anything to do. We're busier now than we have ever been. We're busier now than we have ever been. Why? Because we're still applying the idea, be fruitful and multiply into the generations. We just went to Naya's volleyball game yesterday to watch our future volleyball star. She may never be a Division I volleyball player, but she's our volleyball star. And we got a picture, a private picture, with the Bloom Carroll Warrior, the volleyball warrior, yesterday. Why? Because we wanted Naya to feel the love of her grandparents, the support of her grandparents. Anybody still with me? Go to Genesis chapter 12 real quick. Genesis chapter 12. Oh, man, I love talking about this stuff. Then the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. Okay? When God imparts something to somebody, it's always bigger than what you can see on your own. And see, what I want to encourage you with today is that no matter where you're at in life or the seeds that you're planting, it's always bigger than who you are. It's always bigger than who you are. The idea is, is that wherever you are, something is being imparted into you. And you're an imparter. Now, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And then this is what God will do. I Say this with me. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. This is what God was setting up now in Abraham. And so this is what he was saying. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Folks, God has you covered. Even the people that want to do something wrong to you or have negative thoughts to you or want to uh, proclaim curses over you, they have no effect on your life. Why? Because God says that I will curse them back, those who want to bring contempt with you. You walk in an avenue of blessing. You walk in an avenue of covering. You walk in an avenue that God is watching over you. And this is what he said to Abraham. And this is for you to hold on to. When we think of legacy, you've got to hold on to the scriptures that talk about you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. There is a seed of Abraham's life that is in every generation that came after him. This generational seed that God said to Abraham, I will bless you is yours to hold on to, to keep and to never let go. You are part of the seed of Abraham, the seed of life. The seed of goodness, the seed of what God has planted in him. And he says that he'll uh, bring to all generations. Don't turn to this, but write this down. Genesis 14. Now, this is when uh, Abraham won his uh, a, a battle and he came back after the battle. They won the battle and they defeated Sodom. And, and the first thing that, that Abraham did, because 
This is Abraham setting the tone for us. The first thing that he did is he took 10% of his spoils and he gave it to Melchizedek and said, these are the spoils of God's victory. I give 10% of them to you in the priesthood so that uh, uh, the priesthood can continue to do the work that God has given it to do. And then it's interesting, the king of Sodom says to him, you know, give back to us what you have taken. Uh, uh, give back, you can keep the spoils. So what the king said, you can keep the spoils, but give us the people back. Abraham said this, I will not give one piece of the spoils that we have gained from you back to you because our God has given me explicit instructions on what to do. And so we see Abraham not only winning his battle, but setting a character barrier for us in the idea when God speaks, we honor what he speaks, and then we're able to impart that seed into other people. And then we see in Genesis chapter 25, these are things you're going to have to write down on your own. In verses 9 through 11, we get to see this promise play out. Because although Abraham was passing, that the, the Bible says that a blessing was imparted to his son Isaac. And see, this was the first visual. We call these the law of first mention. The law of first mention in Genesis 12 was is that I will bless you and I will bless all the families of, 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 the, of the kingdom who come after you. Then we get to see how the law of first mention was operated in Genesis 25 because we see that when Abraham was passed, the seeds of his life now were imparted into his son. And it says, now I will bless you. And that is the sign from generation after generation. And see, we need to remember these things. That our lives are made for the purpose of what they are so that we can be the people who now pass our blessings on to our next generation. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 22, it says this, a godly heritage is better than having great wealth. Write that down, Proverbs 13, 22. A godly heritage is better than having great wealth. Tammy and I learned something interesting. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about my Aunt Kay. Um, she was a war bride. Uh, she married my uh, uncle uh, after uh, the war. And as a matter of fact, they got together in such a way that when my uncle flew my Aunt Kay to Los Angeles to meet her, she forgot what he even looked like. And so he was running around the, uh, the airport trying to find Kay, and Kay couldn't find him because she didn't even know what he looked like. And so, but Aunt Kay uh, was from a, uh, I wouldn't even say a Buddhist family, but she was from a non-religious, uh, atheist family, and Tammy and I spent years uh, uh, witnessing to my Aunt Kay and sharing the gospel and and she never accepted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. But this is what my Aunt Kay said. This is the other thing you need to know about my aunt and uncle. They were multimillionaires. Multimillionaires. Now, don't get excited. We didn't get a part of it. We didn't get any of it. That's a whole other story. 
But this is what my Aunt Kay said, and it goes directly in line with Proverbs 13.22. A godly heritage is better than having great wealth. She understood something and had wisdom in this area. And she said this to us. She said to Tammy and I that you both have what money cannot buy. She said you are the happiest man and the happiest woman because you have a great family. And everything about what you guys are doing is about making your family even greater. Now, it, it, it's, it's interesting to hear that from somebody who has walked for years and years and years with millions of dollars and no family. When my uncle was in grade school, there was a, 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 a session of the mumps that went around grade school. And there are like six or seven men from his class who were sterile because of receiving the mumps. And none of them had children. And my uncle was one of them. And my aunt realized that every dollar that they had uh, collected was not worth what we had in our family. A godly heritage is better than having great wealth. If we're going to pass on a legacy to our children, then we need to have some things established in our hearts. I remember when Tammy and I were young and married and having our first child, we came across Joshua 24, 15 that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we have purposed from every day in our life from that first time that we made our commitment to Christ to have our house be a blessing from the Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, and I'm going to close here today. And in Acts chapter 10 is, is such a, just a familiar text, uh, one of my favorite texts in the book of Acts. It talks about Cornelius, okay? And so I've used this text several times in the past, but it says in Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment, a very important man. He was devout. He was a God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon at 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, and Cornelius stared at him in terror. And he said, what is it, sir? He asked the angel. Now, this is not a guy who's got a formal church background. He's a Roman officer, okay? It's not like he, he was a Gentile, okay? How many of you realize that when God wants to do something, he's able not only to do what he wants to do, but he's able to get quite a result? And the angel replied, Listen to this. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. You see, God is watching, saved or unsaved, Jew or Gentile, male or female. It doesn't matter. God is aware of what you're trying to do. You might not see the fruit of what you're hoping for at this point in your life. You might not see the fruit in your children. You might not see the fruit of the impartation that you have made. But be patient because just... Like God saw Cornelius do the things that he has done. He is watching what you do as well. 
And your legacy is not over. I don't care how old you are or what you think's not going to happen. God has your legacy in his hands. And so continue to do the things that God has called and gifted you to do. Your prayers uh, uh, have been shown as a gift to the poor and received by God as an offering. Now, the angel said, send some men to Joppa, summon a man named Simon Peter, who is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. Fast forward to verse 21. And in the middle of this time, God has been showing Peter something as well. That, you know, the things that people used to call unclean are not unclean any longer. See, God is creating a new thing. This is the New Testament. This is the new creation. This is the new life that, that God said that we would lead uh, when, we, when we come into his kingdom through what Jesus Christ has brought us. So in verse 21, so Peter went down and said, I am the man you are looking for. Why have you come? And they said, we are sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by the Jews. And a holy angel instructed him, verse 23. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accomplished, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was in waiting for them and had called together all of his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you are. So they talked together and went inside where the other people were assembled. Isn't it interesting? Cornelius was anticipating something incredible was going to take place by this, this man of God that was coming to visit them. But what Cornelius wasn't aware of was that all the seeds that he had planted... All the seeds that he wasn't even sure about, that, but he knew it was right to do. All of those seeds were about ready to make an impact, not only in him, but in his family and all of those who were drawn together. Now, let me just say this. How many of y'all today would say you're a child of God? Amen. Now, I'm not going to preach the depth of what I'm going to tell you because I'm working on a message called Fourth Quarter. Okay. And in this message, you have to understand something. That when the Bible says that you were blessed to be a blessing, and I have to be careful here because I don't want to preach too far into this. When the Bible says that you were blessed to be a blessing, Dave, please come with me just for a moment here. That when, 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 when God came into David's life, every place that he has, when he is in proximity of Bill, Bill has the grand opportunity of being next to somebody who is blessed by God, which means that it, there's no telling what could happen to Bill because this is a man of God, full of God. He's a child of God. All the inheritance that God has given this man, every place that he goes, whether he walks over here and he stands next to you, you have to understand that you are in the presence of a blessing. So when Dave comes over here and stands here, you are in the presence of what God has blessed him what God has blessed that it was called and required to be a blessing to other people. Now, how do we know this? Because we know that every place in which Joseph went, whether he was in the jail or wherever he was, that he was a blessing to all the people and their lives were affected 
by that. And so that's why when we first build the people of the household of faith, we're to do that so that they can go and be the greatest blessing that God has desired for them to be. So when we walk hand in hand as the captains of our household, and when we do the things that God has called us to do, our children are in the midst of people who are full of the presence of God, the blessings of God, and the seeds that we are implanted is because we are children of the Most High God. He says to be fruitful and multiply. He said, I have imparted into you all of the seeds that you need to carry out everything that you need to do. Go and have dominion over all of those areas. So we're not only seed bearers, we are those who proclaim dominion over our children, dominion over their husbands, dominion over their children. And see, that's how the legacy continues. You know the enemy wants to take out the next generation so bad, he'll do whatever it takes to take your children out. But no, you cannot do that. You know why? Because the children of blessing are watching over what God has given us as an inheritance. And the seeds that we plant, nobody's going to come and steal. And those who want to curse us, he'll curse them right back. Because he is watching over his children. And our father cannot help himself. And you have to understand this. Don't look at what has not happened. That's where the enemy would like you to be. Look forward to what God has imparted into you and begin to believe for those seeds to come to fruition that God has planted. We are building a legacy. We are building something that lasts for a lifetime. We are building something that uh, is, is something that brings restoration. And so in the story in Acts chapter 10, the Bible goes on to say that Peter explained the gospel to all of them. And the first thing he explained was, hey, Gentiles aren't supposed to be hanging out with Jews and Jews and Gentiles. I'm here because God showed me that things are, are not unclean as they appear to be. And then what happened was Cornelius uh, and his whole family and everyone who was in the presence of that meeting, what happened? They found, they got saved. They became the new seeds. And this is what a legacy is. Cornelius sowed his seeds, gave his alms, respected God. And what he got out of it was not just him, but his entire family. And everyone that they invited found Jesus Christ as their personal savior. You see, that's what legacy does. Legacy does the right thing today, does the right thing tomorrow, does it over and over again, and you'll always get the right result when you do things the way God has imparted for us to do. Listen, we need to tap in to the blessings. We tap in, would you stand with me? We tap in to the blessings through all of the biblical promises that God has made to us. All of his promises are yes and amen. You need to tap into those. Why? Because those are your seeds. You know, we need to tap into our family genealogy. 
Tammy talked about, you know, there's many things that my father didn't have, but what he did have was something that is a seed that's still sown into our children today. Some of you would say, Pastor, I wouldn't even want to go back into my genealogy. It's nothing but bad news. Guess what? I got good news because you're the first seed of the new generation genealogy of your family. So rise up and count yourself blessed. If nobody before you had anything to do with Christ, you do. And now your offspring is going to bear the fruit of that. We need to know that this church has great promises and you're a part of it. Tap into those blessings. You've received personal prophetic words. They are your blessings. Tap into them. Tap into them. Every place that you are, you are a blessing. If you would say today, Pastor, I want to build something that's going to last into the future. If you would say, Pastor, I want my family to be a family that not only knows God, but loves God. Not only loves God, but serves God. And I want my legacy of the things of my family to be built throughout the ages. Just lift your hand just right now. Hold your hand up. Father, in Jesus' name, keep your hands up. Father, you see these hands. We get it. We understand. We want to be a blessing. We want to build a legacy. We want to have the seeds of our life that you've planted in us. We want to impart those unto the generations. And so, Father, today I pray an anointing upon each person here represented and their children and their children's children. Father, I pray a blessing upon each household here. Let them be a beacon in, on their streets and in their communities. Let them have a testimony of your faithfulness because of what they have implanted into their kids, their kids' uh, uh, success. And as their children succeed as well, Father, that you would be the visual of the light that shines through these families into the midst of the darkness. And Father, today, we just proclaim an anointing that breaks yokes and sets captives free upon each family represented here today. Let no weapon formed against them, their children, and their grandchildren prosper. Let all who rise up against them, let them fall. Because you are the God that watches over us. And we proclaim that blessing upon this house today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.